This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time and get right into this week's proceedings because we've got a spring game to talk about. The Orange-White game coming up on Saturday, 1 o'clock. You can see it on Longhorn Network. You can hear it locally if you're in Austin on the Horn, 1049-1019, AM1260. Uh, there will be uh, radio affiliates, radio network affiliates across the state carrying it as well. If you don't have LHN or I mean, you can just wait till next week's Longhorn Bliss podcast and we can catch you up on everything uh, or uh, stay plugged into everything going on on with uh, dealing with spring practice, regarding spring practice at Horns 24-7. Speaking of which... Search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcast, and that's how you can get every episode of Longhorn Blitz. Just hit the subscribe button to get every episode of State of Recruiting the Flagship and the Blitz, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. It would be very much appreciated. Here's the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. Matt, what you working on over there? Uh, just NBA stuff. Nine games today, so got a lot to get into. Uh, you, you got your charts and graphs, and you're... Starting it up. Looking at the template for the day. <laughs> There's not many Longhorns on the template. Uh, while we bring up uh, Longhorns, LaMarcus Aldridge last week was a yeah. bit uh, surprising, yep. but also a situation that, understandable, that dude, he... Uh, He'd been playing some good basketball up there in Brooklyn, but hey, either way, Longhorn basketball, not what we're here for. It's for Longhorn football. Hell of a career LaMarcus Aldridge had. Uh, you know who else had a hell of a career on the 40 Acres? The third member of our team. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. He is a lifetime <laughs> Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, I messed up your intro today no uh, yeah. it's great man it's always good trust me nobody in this world gets an intro and i get i get one every time i come on the blitz bro so I, I, I appreciate a, it i had a protein bar on the way in for breakfast and the damn thing had peanuts in it and one of them got stuck in my throat as i was doing the 
Those got lodged back there as I was doing the intro. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get something stuck in your throat, like you take a breath in and you gasp, and then like you try to talk and no sound comes out. And it's painful. And oh. It's just choking you. That's what I just had. So we're all good oh, though. Yeah. We're marching along. No, I had uh, those issues, trust me, brother. All the wrong height every now and then. Yeah. Oh, that's also awful. Also. So we're having. Uh, I'm having some issues, but you know who's not having issues right now? Knock on wood. The Texas Longhorns, they had the COVID pause, but they have been blowing and going over on the 40 with spring practice scrimmage number two in the books. And, guys, as we look ahead to the spring game, and we've got some news notes and nuggets from behind the burn orange curtain that we can tie into our spring game preview, uh, let's go ahead and just get the quarterback discussion out of the way because that's top of mind for everybody. That's going to be where everybody's eyes are fixated on Saturday is on Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. And, Rod, we got the revelation from Denzel Okafer recently that Casey Thompson was taking most of the reps with the ones uh, in front of Hudson Card. But, Rod, everything we've heard, and and we heard it from multiple people after the second scrimmage, man, of late it sounds like Hudson Card has been maybe at least a more consistent performer. I think best is a relative term, but it seems like sources are maybe a little bit higher on Hudson Card and his potential right now. So I say all that to say this, Rod, it sounds like this quarterback battle – is if you were just in, in in the camp where I'm at, which is you just want these guys to have a reason to be invested in the chase as long as possible so they stick around and you don't yep. your, your depth is good. Man, I think you couldn't have asked for a better quarterback battle this spring than what we've heard has unfolded behind the scenes. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, the truth is it's not going to be decided this spring, no matter what happens in that spring game coming up this weekend, no matter – Honestly, I don't think unless one of them totally implodes the last few practices, I doubt you're going to have any separation. Nobody's lost the job this spring. Nobody's really won the job. I can see, you know, both of these guys having their their moments and I can see Sark based on, you know, probably what he's watching. One of these quarterbacks probably has become, like you said, a little bit more consistent. And I always said what you look for and Casey's not a, a young player, but it usually applies to young players. Uh, and he hadn't played a lot, so I guess it applies to him being inexperienced. What you what you want is to develop a baseline, right? Football's a sport you practice more than you play, mm-hmm. right? It's an ultimate preparation sport. So you want to get to the point where you're practicing at a really high level consistently. What you see from young players, you see this roller coaster uh, production, right? They sometimes they have really good days, and then sometimes they look like they're like, holy, this guy's going to be an All American. You'll see a great day in practice. What you want to get to the point is where you're consistently practicing at all conference level, consistently practicing like an All-American. I mean, that's what you got from Joseph Osai last year, right? They talked about him in practice. And if you can get a lot of guys who develop a really high baseline in practice in terms of their productivity, in terms of, um, you know, just the overall work, work ethic, you can really get your practices to be championship level practices, right? And I, I, we got to the point when I was playing here in Texas, playing up against guys like Roy Williams and B.J. Johnson and Sloan Thomas, and then being pushed in the same DB room by a young Nathan Basher and a young Huff Daddy and a Cedric Griffin. You know, you develop, I mean, being pushed from 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 behind, basically, with all those guys pushing me to be a better player, because literally, you know, Coach Aquino would have them sitting behind you in the DB room. I mean, that's why he did. He, he would sit us in the DB room based on who was the, part of the starting group. Uh, and you know one day when he tell you, oh, man, no, you got to go sit in the second seat right there. Ahmad Brooks is sitting in the front seat. I mean, so it was apparent to everybody. You can literally feel your competition breathing down yeah. your neck. Uh, and I think what they're trying to get and what Sark is trying to get to is a high baseline level of 
competition between the offense and the defense. And when I was going playing at an All-American level, an All-Conference level, going up against Roy Williams, who I knew was going to be a first-round draft pick, that's when I knew we were close. And we had to get those types of little battles all around the team. That means you all you got to recruit at a really high level to get those high-level athletes, but also get them practicing at a consistent baseline of, of, of really high-caliber play. Yeah. And that's what Sark is trying to do now. He's trying to establish that. I don't know how close they are to that, but that's what he's trying to get to. Yeah, and that's when you hear these reports and the news where everybody talks about, you know, coming into the season or in, at least into spring that Casey Thompson was the guy that, you know, you saw what was on the field during in the bowl game but you don't know how to take it and then immediately after camp he's maybe getting the reps but then now you hear about a guy like card improving or looking very good out there and it can only be something to help that room and be the guy breathing down that neck or possibly you know going toe-to-toe with them and can form that type of environment that you speak of and that you can tell some of these colleges like where Sark came from Alabama a lot of those yeah. practices are as tough or tougher than it is on game day and that's in type of yep. environment you want. Yeah, exactly. Here's what I make of it to to Matt's point. Matt, I don't think you meant to lead me down this way, but I saw that bait and I'm going to take it. Take it. In terms of what you make from Casey Thompson's performance in the bowl game, and look, I've said I've said this before on this podcast. I've said it before on Light the Tower. By the way, Craig Wayne, I tend to noon every day on the Horn Monday through Friday. Shout out. Uh, and don't forget Rod B on the on the uh, triple option each and every weekday from three to seven. Rod almost said the Rodcast again, and the Rodcast Ooh, is no more. But yes, I know it is the triple I, option. I make that mistake every now and then too. It's crazy. It's you, you, it was habit forming for so long. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've said it. I, I've said it about Casey Thompson, and I'll say it again. That just so everybody can bookmark this, save it, pause it right here, pull it up, put it on YouTube, do whatever you want with it, because this is my take on what you take from Casey Thompson's ball performance. You ready? If you look at Casey Thompson and in about the quarter and a half that he played in the Alamo Bowl and you're trying to spin that forward and thinking that alone should guarantee him the right to start a quarterback for the University of Texas, then you learn absolutely nothing about the quarterback hell this program went through from the time Colt McCoy was injured in the Alabama game mm-hmm. until the 2018 season when Sam Ellinger finally took over and entrenched himself as the starter. You learn nothing from that time. Because how many times did we see a game, hell, even in the case of, of Garrett Gilbert, a half, immediately, where we took that very, very small sample size and tried to extrapolate that over, oh, when you put this forward through – a 12-game season and a conference championship and a bowl game, you know, it, things are going to be great. You know, you, you've got your guy. Did it with Garrett Gilbert, and, and, and what happened? Didn't work out. Tried to do it at times with David Ash. Ultimately didn't work out. Some people tried to do it with Tyrone Swoops. Remember that, that two-game stretch, Rod, that Tyrone Swoops had in 14 where he had like, he had like almost 400 yards of total offense in the Oklahoma game and then had like 490-something of total offense in the Iowa State game the following week and think, mm-hmm. okay, maybe he's turning the corner. It didn't happen. When you look at the school record books <laughs> of the of the single-game record holder in the history of this program for total offense, it's not Vince Young. No. It's not Colt McCoy. No. It's not even Sam Ellinger. The guy that was a wide receiver. It's Gerard Hurd. Gerard Hurd has that record from his performance against Cal. He said, oh, man, we, Texas has their answer quarterback. They got their guy, and it wasn't him. And we thought it was Shane Bouchelle. And maybe it could have been Shane Bouchelle, but once Tom Herman took over 
and the pro spread offense of Tom Herman clearly did not fit Shane Bouchelle the same way that the Veerans shoot fit him, and we've seen that running kind of that that old, I guess they call it, he called it the bear rate at Cal, and what he calls it at SMU with Sonny Dykes' offense. But we've seen that offense fit Shane Bouchelle better, so maybe Shane Bouchelle would have been the guy had it not been for a scheme change, but it was what it was. You can't there, – there's a portion of this fan base that has got to get out of the habit of taking a very small sample size and trying to extrapolate that and figure out what that's going to mean when you put it forward for 12 or 13 games. I know that's the nature of the beast, but those people that are doing that, Rod, they're the same people that if Casey Thompson is the starter and Texas has a field goal going into halftime at Fayetteville, they'll be the same people calling for Casey Thompson to lose that job for there to be a quarterback change. It is a slow – to get a quarterback to the point where you can count on him and say he is a proven commodity and can give you a chance to win week in and week out, brother, that is a slow burn if there ever was one. It is a long process. It was a long process with Sam Ellinger. And no matter who the guy is from this competition, get your head right and get it wrapped around the fact that you're going to go through that slow process again before you find out what, if one of these two guys can be the guy going forward. Yeah, I mean, that goes to the uh, consistency line, right? I mean, when you see Tyrone Swoops have, what, 380-something yards versus Oklahoma, uh, you start thin slicing. You think to yourself, oh, man, he actually could be the guy. Yeah, he could be. That's his ceiling, right? He's getting closer to his ceiling. But what do we say about young players? They go on this roller coaster, right, trajectory where, oh, man, they play to a really high level at one game and then the next game they play at a a lower level, right? You see that that drop in production, that drop in in effectiveness and efficiency and decision-making. So you don't have that baseline consistency. That's what you didn't get from Tyrone Foops. You didn't get it from Gerard Hurd, right? We saw the ceiling versus Cal. Hell, Gerard Hurd. Could he be one of the most explosive quarterbacks in the history of Texas football? But could he do it over 12 straight games? Could he do it every day in practice to give his coaches confidence in him? Could he do it enough to, to win over the locker room consistently in practice? That's what you're doing. See, in, in the games, you're winning over the fans and you're winning over the analysts. And, you know, that's you know that that's when you're winning them over. Scouts will have their chance to look at practice tape and look at the games and everything. But you want to win over the locker room and you want to win over the coaches so that they have trust in you in those crucial moments. That's that's that happens in practice. We're all watching practice. I know we in terms of the major upright Chris Sims quarterback competition, we all know who was winning the quarterback competition. We knew when who was who's gonna have a bad day. We knew who was going to essentially implode um in a in a very pressure packed uh, environment and a situation, right? We knew all those things because we got a chance to watch those guys in practice. And I think when you're talking about these quarterbacks and you just brought up great examples, you know, all throughout recent Texas history, yeah, this just guys, Garrett Gilbert just needed more consistency. Once he got to, you know, SMU, he got a little bit more consistent and got to the point where he could actually make a career out of being a pro quarterback, but he had to get a little bit more consistency. All we saw early on from a young quarterback was that roller coaster trajectory. Yet Alabama, we saw him play at a really high level and a couple of times in 2010. But after that, we never saw that 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 peak. We never saw that, you know, that zenith of mm-hmm. his skill set. We saw more the we did we saw more the floor. We saw more the basement. Right. It was uh, that MJ. The ceiling is the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what we saw from Garrett Gilbert. So you just want that consistency from the guys. And that's hard to find. That's really tough to find. Yeah. You just I mean, it's listen, the, the I always say the hit rate on a quarterback is so low 
just look at the Texas history, right? Recent, you Texas has signed what twenty one quarterbacks or something like that since two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Half of those quarterbacks have transferred, right? You had three of them that have changed positions. You have, I think, two of them, uh, you know, decided to retire because of injuries. You're looking at your hit right now uh, for any quarterback, and it's it's easily going to be at 20%, right? Yep. A 20 to 25% hit rate old quarterback. 50, or 50 to 50% of those guys are going to transfer as soon as they step on campus, period. You just know that. And one of these guys that we're talking about is probably going to end up transferring too. And then on top of that, you have, oh, maybe they can change positions. Like we've seen with a guy like Rojo and other players, like Gerard Hurd, you just got done talking about, and Tyrone Soups, for mm-hmm. God's sakes. All those guys. <laughs> you start talking about injuries. That's a reality of it too. David Ash, he, his career ended because of injuries, right? I think it was... Uh, um, man, what was it? Sherrod, Sherrod Harris? Sherrod right? Harris, yeah. Yeah, he was another guy. Ended because of injuries. So look at look at your hit rate already. I'm talking about the 20 or so quarterbacks you recruited in the last 10 years. Your hit rate immediately is dropping to around 25%. Just of guys who are going to be options to be your, your future quarterback. And then they may not be that good. They, yeah. they just may not be that good. What if they're just a bust? They're just not that good. So I think for Texas fans, I'm with you. They haven't learned from history. What we do know is, and this is why Sark's going to play it really carefully, you're going to need both these guys. Mm -hmm. We know that too, right? In 2011, you played multiple quarterbacks. 2012, 13, 14, 15, you get Shane Bouchelle, Bouchelle, and you end up having a quarterback who's going to be the bridge for you. But you played two in 2017. You played two in 2018, (laughs) right? And then even at the end of 2020, Casey Thompson had to come in and finish the season for you. You're going to need both of these quarterbacks. And uh, to your point on Casey Thompson, uh, if you look at this overall, this isn't just a, say, one-case scenario. This is a trend that you can find across all sports and in all situations, and it always happens with quarterbacks. It's the backup quarterback role that the team didn't prep for and there's no film on, and you come in, and of course a team that hasn't been able to look at anybody and then has a new guy come in and do a few things they haven't seen can be quite successful. You can see it across sports. It happened just the other night. The Spurs, out of nowhere, sat everybody, beat the best team in the NBA. They they did that because... These guys, they have no clue what you're going to see, and if you come out and execute well, you can do well. It's the same thing happens with pitchers. A lot of pitchers will debut. Debut, and you, man, that guy had five scoreless innings. What happened? It's like, well, nobody has any film on him. Nobody knows what he does. They don't know his strengths. The same thing happens, we talk about it with first-time coordinators in conferences. Same thing with quarterbacks whenever you go in, and in, if it's backup quarterback syndrome. It's why Matt Fit or Ryan Fitzpatrick's a perfect guy. You don't want to be your starter, but if he's your back, up it's really good because you can come in be a little bit of change of what they prepared for all week long and then you'll be able to go and be successful but then the next step is being able to do it once the team expects you to be the starter once your opponent has a film and prepares for you the same way that they do that for coordinators in the same way that you do that for personnel in any sport and once you become the guy that's a whole next step in of layer that you have to then have multifaceted skill set and be able to adjust on the fly and when the opponents actually have prepared for you and seen things that you actually can diagnose it and it's that next step in becoming a quarterback it's like okay you proved yourself to be a good backup quarterback in that situation that's what your job was that day that's awesome now we're asking something different if you're asking about being a starter yeah that's to kind of wrap up that that conversation matter the the quarterback conversation in general that's that was the the final point I was going to make is you know whoever wins the job no matter which one of these guys it is even if they have success early in the season 
you always have to ask yourself until the guy, until you know he's established himself as a proven commodity, you always have to have the yeah, but conversation. Yeah, but what about what's next? Yeah, but what about what's next? So even if they have success early, then it becomes, okay, now what are you going to do now that a guy like Gary Patterson or Alex Grinch has multiple games on you, knows Mm -hmm. tendencies, knows weaknesses, knows what calls you're comfortable with in certain situations, Uh, and a guy like Gary Patterson, who's a great game planner from one opponent to the next, then, then if you're having success at that point, then the conversation changes, but... We say all that to say this, man. This anybody that's expecting this this quarterback battle to be decided on Saturday, I I don't know why you would think that. That's just not realistic. It's not rational, and, and it's not going to happen. Uh, Since uh, one one quick thing to wrap it up, go ahead, Rob. Just so people get a perspective. Since two thousand six, Texas has signed what twenty one quarterbacks, I believe. How many multiple year starters? Has Texas gotten out of those twenty-one quarterbacks? Uh, Two. Well, are we Two? Ca- are we counting David? How do we count David Ash and Case McCoy? Do, do we count? So I that mean, would be I three. I mean, the entire season. That's the whole oh. point. Oh, right? the, the entire whole point season. Is the quarterbacks can't. If you can't make it through an entire season, durability also is a part of this equation. So my uh, point is, how many? Yeah, two. One season of Ellinger and one of Bouchelle. Yeah. It, we got two because I think Colt McCoy. If you I mean, sorry, yeah, I mean. I don't, I guess if you go back to 2005, you can put Colt McCoy in there. So yeah. Right. So since Colt, if you want to put if you want to put him, but since after Colt, I mean, how many multiple year starters you got? Just one, oh, maybe mul- two, multiple year, and then one, multiple just Sam. Year. Yeah, just Sam. That's it. That's the. I mean, that's to me, that's the conversation, right? That's why you you need to have that room as as packed with talent as possible because there are more factors that are going to possibly lead to. Uh, a negative result in that quarterback room than a positive one. We've seen that over just the last 15 years. Yeah. So as we go to the rest of the offense, real quick, and I want to talk defense too before we get out of here because I think there's something fascinating unfolding on that side of the ball. Rod, we started to hear some positive things about, you know, we've, we've talked about the receivers who need to pick it up, that group of unproven commodities at wide receiver. And two guys that I'm really fascinated to see on Saturday uh, are the two guys we've heard have picked it up a little bit. Sark's talked about him. We've heard about him from our source reports at Hornets 24-7. Sounds like Marcus Washington and Kelvante Dixon are the two guys that have taken steps forward. And it's premature to say they're ready to join Jordan Whittington and Joshua Moore and, and Jake Smith when he gets back in the, the proven commodity discussion. But mm-hmm. uh, two guys taking that step, Rod, that's a lot better than what you had at the beginning of spring practice, which – Steve Sarkeesian and I think even Andre Coleman with all the changes, neither one of those guys probably really knew what they had other than the guys that, again, have done it and proven they can do it on the field on Saturday. Yeah. No, I I think this is great news uh, for Longhorn football fans. I was a little concerned about the, you know, the the prospect of going into training camp with, I wish I could knock on some wood here with Troll Mary, who's I, we've heard great things about, but early on in his career has already dealt with injuries. Jake Smith, same thing. Jordan Whittington, all those guys' prospects are really, really high for them. They have really high ceilings, tremendous dynamic skill sets, and yet they just dealt with a lot of injuries, so we haven't gotten a chance to see them and see that come to fruition and materialize on the field. So you just needed you needed some contingency plans, man. You needed some insurance at that wide receiver position. I think your frontline guys are great, but Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, size, Cardi B size, but they have dealt with a ton of injuries. Yeah. So you almost have to go into the season 
with a plan B ready to go in case those injuries hit. If those injuries hit those guys early in the season and you are blindsided by it, you're a bad coach. Because history will tell you that one of those guys or most a couple of those guys are going to end up injured early on. You need to have a couple of receivers ready to go in rotation who you believe there won't be much drop-off between those front start front line starters and your backups. Glad Marcus Washington and Kelvante Dixon are two of those guys that are stepping up. That's uh, that's really good news. I would like to see a lot of those two guys, you know, Jaden Alexis is a young guy. I, I want to see those younger guys, Rod, because honestly, I mean, not that it's like, you know, when you were te- – I remember when you were at Texas in a spring game, like I think I think y'all's last spring game, that 0-2 spring game, I don't, I don't think Chris Sims took a snap. I, I know – Probably I, didn't. I yeah. think Roy Williams, from what I remember, was like on the sideline in street clothes. Like you had a, you had your proven commodity sitting out. I don't, I don't think with a new coach here at that point, but, man, I hope we don't see a lot of Jordan Whittington on Saturday or a lot of Joshua Moore. You know, get them a drive or whatever. You know, let the quarterbacks get comfortable. Uh, but other than that, man, get, just get those guys the probably the ten to fifteen snaps they need to get a good sweat going, and then let them watch the rest of the game with the rest of us. Because you can't you can't risk anything with those front line guys right now. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I don't need to see. I mean, I've been hearing great things about Jordan Whittington. I mean, um, Bijan is Bijan should probably be in that conversation mm-hmm. um, as a guy. I know people are going to be disappointed not to see a lot of Bijan in the spring game, but I don't need to see a lot of Bijan. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I think Roshan too. For if we're, if we're being honest, I'm I mean, with you. Yeah, yep, I'm hey, with you. I don't need to see a lot of Rojo. If, I agree 100 percent with you, brother. If it's that the just, if it's the Gabe Watson and Danny Young show on Saturday, then you guys know I'll be excited. But for injury purposes, absolutely no Whittington. You know, like he's a guy that seems like you know just. One one bad step, and it could be something that you could last a while, so you don't want to have any risk of that. Rod, there's still room on that Danny yep. Young bandwagon. I'm by myself, but there's room if you want to hop on. Bowling no, ball. bro, I heard that uh, Sark <laughs> gave him a shout-out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, man, I know my baby. Jeff Howe took his yeah. hands off here at the Danny Young shout-out. Uh, Danny Young making a comeback. I'll tell you what, though. I, I do think Sark is hinting toward playing – you know, two back sets and two back formations. So yeah. I do like I do like that aspect. Though. But Kelvante Dixon to me fits more. Just going back to the wide receiver conversation, um, I think he fits more what Sark likes in the wide receiver because he values speed. He loves speed. Not saying Marcus Washington isn't fast, but I I believe Kelvante Dixon is is faster. I haven't looked at forty times up. I'm just going off the eye test. But um, yeah, I think that Kelvante Dixon may fit what he wants more because he wants to get his guys on the move. That break to daylight philosophy. He wants uh, constant movement routes. Uh, he doesn't like stop routes at all. And Kelvante Dixon's a guy that you get him on the move with some pre-snap motion, get him on some of those long rainbow cross- crossers. He's a guy that can create some separation from a DB just with pure speed. Yeah, give me a sec, Rod. I'm trying to find Kelvante Dixon's got some verified track times. Um, yeah, he's a fan. I, I thought he was a burner, but I, somebody might have told me that. So I, if I, I didn't... I didn't look up a verified 40 time. He's, he's I believe a, I was told that he's a burner. He's roughly, you know, a 46 11 triple jumper in high school. Oh. Uh, okay. Or actually, 40, uh, 47 6 as a junior in the triple jump. Uh, 10 7 1 verified time in the 100. Okay. That's not bad. No. That's not bad. Checks. Yeah. Better, better, better than some guys we've seen at Texas over the years when, you know, there was that period where. They were trying to find the next Lima Sweet, and it's somebody who was in the room when those decisions were made. 
We tried to find the next line of Swede and then looked up and realized, wow, we're just big and slow at receiver. So. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember when they kept trying to find like those big giant. They were like Tom Herman. That's what Tom Herman was about that, too. I mean, remember like Philip Payne and Montre Weber? Yes. And, and yes. Uh, who else would have been in that mix? Malcolm Williams was a guy. He that, was the one that was the yeah. freak that we thought would turn into something. There's, there's, oh, that Texas Tech there, game! Oh. It's funny, like you could, wow. you know, you could look at some great receivers at Texas. Like we can think about, you know, the great games Roy Williams or Jordan Shipley had. But man, if that you Malcolm talk to Williams Texas fans game. about what's the most impressive game you've ever seen from a wide receiver, well, that Malcolm Williams Tech game that that's top of mind for a lot of Texas fans. You talk about how a receiver is dominating, plays like as a gunner and as a wide receiver. And we never saw it. We never saw it in any other game, did we? It was. It was like that. It was like that Chris Warren game right against Texas Tech when Chris. Remember when Chris <laughs> Warren was. went for two seventy five? We're like, oh my gosh, they got an answer. And then he gets hurt the next following year. Deontay Foreman goes for two thousand yards, and we don't wow. hear a whole lot from Chris Warren again. But at least Chris Warren played in the league for a while, so he did realize he, a lot of that potential. Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm retired. Just disappeard. He, I never he retired after Williams Texas, again. like during his Texas career. That's crazy. Malcolm Williams is like the Butch Hadnot of wide receivers. Though. Yeah. Really, Butch Hadnot, <laughs> yep, Butch you hear Hadnot the just floor. fell off the face of the earth as a, as a player. That's a good one. That is, that's brilliant, brother. That yeah, because I remember hearing John Madani talk about that guy being the best running back he'd ever seen. It's like, I don't even know who this guy is. You, you, you talk to Texas fans that have followed this program for a long time. Like, who's the most talented running back you've seen? There were some people, Ricky Williams, Earl Campbell, Roosevelt Leaks. There's some that will swear, no, man, Butch, Had, Butch Hadnot was the man. Butch Hadnot. Which had not great point. Yep, I, I've heard. No, I've actually talked to some fans who've told me the same thing. Like, man, you should have seen Butch had not. Yep. Yeah. There's some nostalgia around uh, that 1990 team. Different, different time and place, Rod. Different time and place Amen for sure. Uh, real quick on the offensive line, I just kind of want to see what combinations Kyle Flood comes up with. I mean, they've been cross training a lot, but Rod, the cross training makes sense. You know, they're not just doing it just for the sake of doing it. We, we talked a lot about the offensive line last week. It seems like they're trying to manufacture depth. It hopefully. You know, two guys, that, and I asked Sark about these two guys after the scrimmage, the two guys I really want to see on Saturday, I want to see Isaiah Hookfin and Tyler Johnson because I feel like from the rest of those guys, you either pretty much know what they are. Like, I think we know what Junior Angulao and Denzel Okafor are at this point, or we've seen the trajectory of Jake Majors and the trajectory of Christian Jones and even, even Andre Carrick to a lesser extent. But, man, Hookfin and Tyler Johnson, two highly recruited guys, third year in the program, this is about the time where both of those guys need to – and granted, Hook Finn had the shoulder last year and Johnson had an illness that got him off to a slow start. But this is about the time where you need to start seeing something from those guys if you're going to – if that's a stock that, that Kyle Flood is going to buy, so to say. Yeah, and a fresh start and a damn good offensive line coach to do it with. So I'm with you. I mean, I think it's um, it's been promising to hear that you know guys like Denzel Okafor are – playing at a really high level um and that's a guy that can be a leader for you on the offensive line um i i think it it's almost seems mandatory that guys are going to play multiple positions yeah uh, that you know I, I i don't know i mean they're other than center maybe i haven't really seen any of the guys who are getting regular rotation reportedly that are not being cross-trained so i think that's just that's just a smart move by uh, Kyle Flood to give himself options on the offensive line to try to play your best five. Mm-hmm. That's what I think he's trying to do now. He's like, I'm going to cross train everybody. I want to get a look at them in as many spots as possible because I want to see what my best five old linemen are, not just my best right guard. 
not right. just my best left tackle. I want to see what my best five linemen are because I think his philosophy is, and we all know this, right? The, the offensive line works more of a unit um, than any other group. All right, they mm-hmm. work as a unit, and if you have one weak link, it really can implode uh, the whole offensive line blocking scheme, run blocking or pass blocking. So I think he's looking for his best five. Old lineman, and I it reminds me of Coach Akina. Coach Akina was big on that. Coach Akina was now one of my five best DBs. I don't give a damn if it's a corner or safety, yeah. I might put you. That's why we ended up with Nathan Basher and Ahmad Brooks at safety. Uh, in 2001, I mean, we ended up with a it was kind of weird and strange the way it worked out. Our safeties were smaller than our corners, but he wanted his five best DBs out there. That's all he cared about. And something tells me Kyle Flood is thinking similarly because some of these combinations I'm seeing are they seem kind of funky on the all-line. And I'm like, man, I, I just think he's looking for, hey, who are the best five guys? And then I'll start building my depth chart based on my best five O-linemen, yeah. especially when you bring Kerstetter back in the mix, which I know he's going to consider him to be at least one of his best seven, eight offensive linemen. And I think that point you made, Jeff, last week about having him be your, your basically your sixth man, like your NBA sixth man, mm-hmm. probably works better than any other scenario. You just got to convince him of it. Yeah. Yep, and when talking about the lineman cross-training, just looking forward to the season, it's a situation where yeah, you might not be using them there right now, but when come up with injuries or, say, in one odd mismatch where there's one, say, guy killing you up the middle and your guard can't figure it out, it's good to have guys with ability and that you can feel confident, well, hey, in this situation, I might be able to put him in here or just to help and fix any type of injury situation so the cross-training can help on multifacets other than just manufacturing that depth. Let's flip over to defense, guys, and, you know, I'm fascinated by – I'm just – Rod, I'm just going to throw this group. We've talked a lot about the philosophy of positionless football on this show for a long time now. And I asked Sark about it, you know, in the wake of the Tyler Owens discussion of trying to get him closer to the ball, give him more opportunities to play there. And I'm fascinated by the fact that you know, we know the nickels and safeties are kind of one organism now working together. We know we, we know from recent practice reports they've moved Brendan Schooler in the box to to get him a look at at Sam linebacker. So, Whoa! Yeah. So rewind. What? Yeah, Brendan Schooler apparently in the scrimmage got some run at linebacker a little bit from a couple wow. different sources we talked to. So, Rod, it, um, it really does seem like the safeties, nickels, and inside backers, and you can look at some of those body types, like a guy that we've heard has also had a good run of practices lately, man, Terrence Cooks as a true freshman, he's 6'2", 218, 215 pounds, playing inside linebacker. So it really seems like this staff is buying into the fact, look, let's just find as many long, rangy, athletic guys as we can get on the field and kind of use as many of those bodies as possible in the middle of the field. I'm, 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 I really yeah. want to see kind of what that middle field group looks like on Saturday. Instinctive, no. long guys. Yeah. No, it makes sense because remember I uh, gave you guys the quote that, you know, the Oklahoma State has kind of rejuvenated their defense. Mike Gundy says one of the reasons that it's now kind of a new defensive culture there and they're playing really good defense is Oklahoma State. He says they stopped recruiting linebackers, inside linebackers, off-ball linebackers, 
uh, safeties and cornerbacks specifically, they started just recruiting body types. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said they just started recruiting like long, lean, athletic guys. Cause he, basically, he's starting to believe, and I think we all do too, that there is a more, more hybridism now in the back seven of a defense than ever before. Mm-hmm. Safeties looking like linebackers, linebackers looking like safeties. Uh, it's all about speed. Uh, it's all about being, um, um, I think, being agile. Um, and I think, you know, that old quote you always give from, from Mike Tomlin, I think it fits appropriately. Look like what you hunt. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Big 12 is starting to do. So I, it doesn't shock me at all. Gary Patterson has been doing it for years. Pete Kwiatkowski was doing it at Washington um, there because the Pac-12, similar culture to the Big 12. There's been an evolutionary adaptation to it. And it, the, the ad- evolutionary adaptation is positionless football on the back in the back seven as much as you can because you, that way you can avoid matchup disadvantages because that's all the offense is trying to do to get that big bulky linebacker matched up on a Jordan mm-hmm. Whittington or an Alvin Kamara. They're going to get that oh that that box safety you're talking about man let me get him matched up on an inside wide receiver. Well if I got a if my, if my inside linebacker is Tyler Owens or Brennan Schooler yeah. or you know I mean or DeMarvion Overshow, you know what? That matchup advantage is not as drastic as it usually would be. And I think that's what the adapt the adaptation you're starting to see. Ron, I want to read you a, a bit from some notes my colleague Mike Roach threw up at Horns twenty four seven. These were posted Sunday night in case you need to go to the site to get them. Um, but it was talking about the role Terry Joseph has played in terms of making this defense better pre-snap. There's been a lot of focus on pre-snap because uh, the defensive scheme is apparently allowing the secondary to flow more naturally and, quote, just play, as one source put it. Uh, source mentioned that if the styles hold, it should benefit the current personnel. Uh, quote, this defensive scheme that we are running is a fit for most of the guys recruited here, end quote. Um, that's from a source that talked to Mike Roach. And apparently one guy that was singled out, Rod, was B.J. Foster. Like, B.J. Foster probably didn't need to be in a defense where it's very regimented, very almost robotic. Mm-hmm. He's expected to now be in kind of more of a what's been described as like a seek-and-destroy type role, which for <laughs> him fits the skill set perfectly. But it really does seem, Rod, like it's going to be – not nearly maybe as rigid. And granted, you know, in that Chris Ash scheme, Rod, you know, we talk about it with, you know, that the 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 four man front playing, you know, press quarters on it, coverage on the outside. Uh, there are rules you have to follow. It is very disciplined. Eye discipline post snap is a huge thing for the safeties in that scheme. But now if the focus is on getting really good before the snap and then boom, as soon as the ball snapped, you should be in position to go make a play. Now just cut it loose and go. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation where, in that case, you do need guys that maybe have the the recovery speed or the length to be able to make up for mistakes if you're a half step in the wrong place or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's a great um, Shanahan quote, Kyle Shanahan quote that I I put out there on my Twitter. So go check it out at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse because I can't read the whole thing. It'll bore you. But it just talks about being a robot. Um, mm-hmm. essentially the gist of the quote is, you know, be coachable, but don't be a robot. Yeah. Um, good coaches don't want robots, right? Yeah. You'd, you'd you like to them to, them. and you know what, even to the, I'll, I'll give you an example. Last year, the corners, Chris Ash, I would complain that the corners had to play the deep ball a certain type of way. Remember Chris Ash saying exactly how he wanted them to play it. Mm-hmm. And my complaint was, I think for these guys, for these corners, that, that, that strict 
rigidity as to how you had to play it every time to them i think it put them in a box and it made them uncomfortable yes yeah, what down. coach akina would do is say all right you, your, your responsibility is this you have this responsibility is man coverage you got cover three whatever whatever your responsibility is this i'm not going to tell you how to play it i'm going to give you all the tools and the resources as to what to do in every different situation. You must be Batman and decide what to use on your utility belt in that given circumstance. Right. I'm not in that moment. I can't tell you how to play it. I can give you all the tools. We can discuss all the circumstances, the most likely um, position you're going to be in for a certain route on a certain play. But you ultimately don't be a robot. Be a football player and go determine what the ultimate play is. And I think that's why the emphasis now is on pre-snap because pre-snap can give you tons of information to help you be a have the freedom to be creative. Yeah. Right. As a football player. And Nathan Basher would do it. Ask Nasty Nate. Right? He would do it a ton. <laughs> go ask Roy Williams at Oklahoma when uh, he wasn't supposed to jump and pull a Superman over the offensive line side. Now I'm going Superman. That create that, that freedom to be creative they're going to give B.J. Foster is going to make him really tough for a quarterback to diagnose what he's doing pre-snap. Because he's all over the damn place. He's going to be free. If you're freestyling and improvising, you're really, really tough to game plan for. Because there is no strict discipline as to what you're doing for every play. So there usually are rules to where you're going to be every play on this snap based on this formation, this personnel package. But if he's not going to have that, he's going to be a nightmare to try to yep. figure out. That's what Oklahoma would do with Roy Williams all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, Michael Huff Daddy had something. Huff Daddy, Huff Daddy had a lot of that freedom, a ton of. Mm -hmm. and, and as you get to trust your players, you give them more of that freedom. When Rod B became an all-conference defender, Coach Kim was like, no, 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 you play man coverage the way you want to. You want to play bump and run, you play bump and run. You want to play off, you play off. You know what to do. And that yeah. philosophy is one that, I mean, it's a cheesy quote from, I think it was a song by In Vogue, but it's like, free your mind and the rest will follow. You know, like if you clear a player's mind and let them become instinctive in those situations, and if they're comfortable, you don't realize how much you can hold somebody back by occupying that mind space because that tiny bit of hesitation turns that 4-4 guy into a 4-6 guy, and you wonder how somebody less athletic than you is beating you, but a lot of the time it's that in your mind getting all jumbled up. All right, well, there's some stuff we didn't get to get into this week, namely the defensive line and the tight ends, but we'll be looking for those uh, position groups on Saturday, as we will for this entire team in our first look at the all-gas, no-breaks era of Texas football under Steve Sarkeesian. We'll, uh, we'll watch it on Saturday. We'll have plenty of stuff at Horns 24-7, and we'll have plenty of reaction on the next edition of The Blitz. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rob B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn Live, local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. 
Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 podcasts anywhere you get your podcast to get to get every episode of the Blitz, State of Recruiting, and the Flagship. Just hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!